As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's Straight Outta Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. Coming up, uh uh-oh, Brighton are coming. We'll preview the big match against Chelsea's feeder club, round up the rest of the Blues news and do a quiz. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Outta Cobham. Oh, it's a chilly one today, folks. Hope you're wrapped up warm wherever you are. Many thanks for joining us once again. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams. I'm joined by two of The Athletic's very finest. It's a welcome return for Luke Bosher. How are you doing, Luke? Yeah, very well, Matt. A bit cold, as you say, but excited about what the weekend has to offer. Yeah, aren't we all? And all the way from the booth literally next door to where Luke is, is Dominic Fifield. How are you doing, Dom? I'm very well, thanks, Matt. Uh, Yeah, it's a bit weird. We have to sit in separate booths on this, but we just thought we'd do that rather than sharing a single microphone between us, so... Yeah, I mean, there is actually a huge beef between Luke and Dom and they need a wall to separate them. But yeah, maybe we'll go deep on that one day. I'm joking, of course. Uh, There's a bit of beef between Chelsea and Brighton, given everything that's happened in the last few years. That's who the Blues are facing this weekend and we're going to preview it. So it is Brighton and Hove Albion coming to Stamford Bridge for the second time this season this weekend. 2pm kickoff UK time on Sunday, second meeting of the teams in West London this season. And not for the first time, it's one Mopo and Co could really do with winning. Uh, Steph has X'd us, doesn't sound right still, does it? Uh, wants to know how confident are we that Brighton will play an expansive game rather than playing the way they know doesn't suit us? They need the points too. Um, Luke, they don't usually deviate from the game plan, do they? So I guess this might be one of those where it does actually play into Chelsea's hands a little bit. Yeah, I think Roberto De Zerbi is um, is a slave to his system almost, and that that's done very well for him at Sassuolo and uh, Shakhtar Donetsk before coming to Brighton. And I can't see that they will change their style of play. I mean, they haven't really when they've played. You know, maybe it's a bit generous to call Chelsea a big team these days, but when they've played other big teams since he's been in charge, they have stuck to their principles, and I, I would expect them to do the same, even with the slew of injuries that they've got at the moment. 
Uh, yeah, we'll talk about the specifics of who might and might not play. But Dom, as we mentioned on uh, Monday's pod, it's worth repeating, isn't it? It's got to be in Chelsea's favour that Brighton are playing tonight, Thursday, as we record, all the way in Greece. It's, it's not just the, the fact they've got an extra game, but that's a long old slog as well for a European trip. Yeah, on the basis that, that all my hope on Crystal Palace getting a result at West Ham on Sunday is, is forged on the fact that they're playing in Serbia on Thursday night, I suppose I can't be inconsistent. I, yeah, AAK Athens away on a Thursday night and then having to play at Chelsea on Sunday. That's a pretty daunting couple of fixtures and the travel will play a massive part in that in between. Um, it's going to be disruptive for Brighton. They are a club that have done actually very well in in the Europa League, albeit, you know, their wins have come against Ajax, a poor Ajax team. But they, they are really enjoying that sort of first venture in their history in European competition. But it has had a detrimental f- effect on their league form. It's That's undeniable. It's stretched their resources, even at a club like Brighton, that, that, that plan ahead so well. I think it's that, that win at Forest, sorry, Matt, uh, last, last weekend was their first in the Premier League since September. So... <laughs> And that's it's clear that it's it's had an effect and it's stretched them badly. So it should be something that Chelsea can capitalise upon on Sunday. Yeah, and just for some context there, after those two games against Ajax, Brighton drew at home to Fulham and Sheffield United, which are games that obviously they would expect to win under normal circumstances. Uh, but to bring it back to Chelsea and the team news, look, the, the really interesting thing here is who's going to play at fullback slash wingback because Mark Kukurea and Reese James are both suspended and, and Malo Gusto wasn't available last weekend. So so what are you doing here? Are you putting Colwell to left back and Dizazi at right back if Gusto's not available? Or, or dare I make the weekly suggestion for Ian Martson to play at left back? <laughs> I mean, I'd be quite surprised if Ian Martin got a start, but I mean, Pochettino's been, he has thrown some rogue ones out there during his time as Chelsea boss. So, it, you know, it's not out of the question. But for me, I think even if Kukure hadn't picked up that silly yellow card against Newcastle, I would have uh, put Levi Colwell back in at left back and reverted to the uh, Thiago Silva Dizassi partnership that I think had been serving Chelsea quite well prior to the international break. And of course, the big question is at right back, if Malagusto's not fit, it may be that Pochettino has very little choice at all. You know, be forced to play Dizassi at right back. And then, you know, Badiashile would probably keep his place, which, you know, if everyone's fit, I wouldn't necessarily agree with considering how he played against Newcastle. And then, yeah, it would be Badiashile and Silver again with Colwell slotting in at left back. Are we suggesting that, that he's morphing into Tony Poulis here and playing... Mm-hmm. F- Four centre halves across the back line. Hey, Pep does it too. It's fashionable out now, Don. <laughs> yeah, but he plays them in midfield. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the centre halves he will probably play is Thiago Silva. And um, Dom, you will well know that Liam and Simon debated whether it's time Chelsea moved on from him. I guess that's not going to be this weekend, given that at least one of the regular centre halves is probably going to end up playing at fullback. Yeah, that's that's the case. And and it was a good, it was an interesting argument um, or debate between. Sai and, and Liam in that in that piece. I mean, on the one hand, you're you're potentially leaving out uh, one of the few leaders, natural leaders that Chelsea have, somebody that can inspire, but also a player that that is in the twilight of his career now, a glittering career. But you know, it's it's drawing to a close, and the performance last weekend at, at Newcastle was it looked as if he age had caught up with with Thiago Silva. So. That changing of the guard is going to happen at, at some point, but I, I agree. I think this weekend, 
is probably not the time to do it because they're stretched in other areas of the team, most notably at fullback. While we're talking defences, Andrew asks, if we concede another goal from a set piece, is it time for the club to step in and demand Potcher points a new set piece coach? Luke, with this, it seems to be quite a popular thing at the moment, doesn't it? My team, Forrester, apparently the owner wants to step in and appoint a set-piece coach. Uh, they seem to be in demand. Is this partly because we heard so many good things about Anthony Barry or is this kind of a result of the kind of goals that Chelsea are conceding? And would a set-piece coach stop that or do you just need defenders who are familiar with one another? I think it's very a la mode at the moment to have a set-piece coach. Arsenal, I think, famously have Nicolas Jova, who they pinch from Brentford who had great success at Brentford under Thomas Frank and Arsenal I think have I don't know the exact numbers but I've scored the most set piece goals this season in the Premier League so clearly something's working but to your point Matt the Arsenal defence you know the aerial threats you know Ben White William Saliba Gabriel you know they've been there for a very long time and they have great set piece takers especially from corners which I think is something that Chelsea are lacking a little bit at times, particularly with Ben Chilwell out of the side. Um, he's a very good left-footed option that I think Chelsea are lacking a little bit. And yeah, it's the players defensively, I think, that aren't necessarily used to playing with each other, that have come from different systems. You know, it's no longer like, you know, we're not in an era anymore where it's just everyone man-marks. You know, you have clubs that man-to-man mark, you have clubs that go fully zonal, you have clubs that do some sort of hybrid where you have a short players man-marking tall centre-backs, which leaves your own centre-backs free to monitor a zone and attack the ball. And that's why you often see, you know, you're like, why is Conor Gallagher man-marking William Saliba? He's not the only one that's charged with stopping Saliba from scoring. It'll be disassy free to attack the ball if it comes into his zone. So it can be quite difficult, I think, for players coming to Chelsea fresh and it's a new coaching staff, it's a new defence. So I think it's one of those things that will take time. Yeah, just on that, um, Dom, a different one, uh, got in touch with us to say that he feels as though finishing 8th to 10th, playing entertaining football, having some stability by not sacking a manager would be seen as some sort of success. I think that's quite a nice measured take on things because there was quite the reaction to the defeat at Newcastle, understandably. But yeah, this is a team in transition, isn't it? Uh, And somebody who we're waiting to come to the fore, possibly, Dom, is Moises Caicedo, who will surely come back into midfield here against his old club. Uh, Liam and Mark Carey have teamed up for a deep dive on Caicedo for The Athletic. Head to theathletic.com slash ChelseaPod to sign up if you want a subscriber and read it. I feel like Caicedo is actually settled in okay, but I'm not sure that's a, a universally popular opinion. What do you think, Dom? Well, look, I think when you spend that much money on a player, even as a defensive midfielder, um, and he has been playing as a as a number six with, you know, with Enzo alongside him as a who's more adventurous going forward, um, I think people expect an awful lot. They expect him to dominate games. But actually, Pochettino, I think in his original piece, the interview he did with Alan Shearer for The Athletic, was making the point earlier this season that, that he's going to need time to, he's still young, he's still learning. And even at that price, Chelsea have bought potential with Moises Caicedo. Liam's comprehensive piece on uh, Caicedo's impact so far is is well worth a read. The defensive numbers are actually a bit down on last season at Brighton, but he makes the point that that, that may be just a reflection of, of the the football that Pochettino plays compared to De Zerbi potentially. But I think that's been promised that we've seen, I mean, certainly after, after that rather shaky start at West Ham, he's he's picked up, uh, he's 
he's offering energy. He's offering some defensive surety in that number six role still. And, you know, when that midfield three with, with Enzo and Conor Gallagher is functioning, that's probably the area of the Chelsea team that's really clicked most. It's, it's, that's looked really, really promising. Um, so early days still for him and he'll want to make a point against his old club, I'm sure, up against his old teammates. Uh, but, you know, I think we just have to show a bit of patience for a, a fellow who cost over £100 million. Pounds. Yeah, and he's only 22, isn't he? And he, yeah. he came up and had no pre-season and then he picked up a little injury. So I think there's plenty still to come from Caicedo. And what about further up the pitch then, Luke? Rip Van says, with an away trip to Old Trafford on the horizon and Sterling only a card away from suspension, is it wise to withhold him and introduce him if we need him? Um, what do you think? Might we see a start for, say, Mikhailo Mudrik or maybe even Madweke here in, in Sterling's place or are you sticking with him? I think you have to stick with Sterling. He was... The only player, really, um, outfield player that came away, you know, with any credit from the Newcastle game. Uh, fantastic free kick that he scored, and I think he played well as well. Aside from then, obviously, you know, it was it was a difficult second half for all the players that featured. But I think he he gave a good account of himself, and this has you know certainly been his best period as a Chelsea player. And I don't see why you would bench the hot hand, as it were to be cautious about bookings. Yes, the game after Brighton is against Manchester United, which is a huge game for Chelsea fans. But I think when you look at the Premier League table and you look at Chelsea's ambitions, you know, you're in a situation where Brighton at home is, you know, you absolutely have to get a result out of that game. And Raheem Sterling being on the pitch, I think at the moment, gives you a better chance of doing that than starting Mikhailo Madrid or Noni Madweke. As much as I like those players and I think they've got great potential, I think, you know, you look at the booking that Sterling got against Newcastle, it was petulant. I think it was for kicking the ball away. And he's a senior player in this Chelsea squad, so he absolutely shouldn't be doing that. And all that needs is a quiet word. You know, he won't be the only one that needs a quiet word after, you know, the bookings that were received at St. James's Park. But I think he should have enough about him to not pick up more silly bookings like that. Well, Nicholas Jackson knows a thing or two about silly bookings. He got five of them and had a suspension. That's the last big selection dilemma, I think, for this game, Dom, isn't it? Do you stick with Jackson? He wasn't very good at Newcastle, but nobody was. Or do you put Armando Breuer in here? Um, Some suggestions that clubs would like to take Breuer either on loan or permanently in January, which seems unlikely at the moment. But he's not had too many minutes, has he, since his return. So maybe chuck him in here? Look, it's... It's much of a muchness between those two. I wonder whether Nicholas Jackson, who who scored the winner against Brighton in the League Cup, you might stick him in for this one, keep him in for this game, just on on the basis that he's he should carry a bit of confidence from that League Cup fixture. Albeit, I imagine the Brighton side will be very different on Sunday. Breuer impact off the bench again. I'm sure he he'll get a run out at some point. And in in terms of in terms of January. I can't see Chelsea letting him go unless they sign a a, a number nine, a, a, a new player coming in for presumably quite a lot of money, uh, which you know isn't beyond the realms of possibility with these owners at Chelsea. But if that happens, then yeah, he may he he may consider his options and and and, and possibly going back to Liam's favourite cliche, you know, pure profit on the books, etc. A, a, a player that they've effectively developed at the club can be sold and. That will help them in terms of FFP in the long term, but but I think that's we're, we're sort of we're looking at a, a, a cluster of games in December that are very much like 
old Chelsea when they were in Europe and, and you know, constant churn between weekend and midweek fixtures. Look, it's inevitable at some point that Amanda Breyer will start a game in that run. I'm not sure it necessarily has to be Brighton. Um, and I'm sure if he does come on, he'll have a, an energetic and, and uh, hopefully an incisive impact like he has done when he's come off the bench in some fixtures, most notably against Manchester City. Hmm. Uh, I guess this might be the game, Luke, where we finally see Christopher and Kunku. Uh, would there be a particular set of circumstances which would be ideal to bring him on? I mean, obviously, if Chelsea are 3-0 up and you can put him on with 10 minutes to go, that's fantastic. But would you rather see him here or, or save him for Old Trafford or maybe even a couple of weeks' time? I mean, I think the only circumstances really in which he should get minutes is if he's fit to play. And that sounds incredibly obvious saying it, but Chelsea, as we've discussed this season, have a, a potted history with potentially rushing players back from injury, especially important players, which you know I think everyone hopes Christopher and Kunku will be. Certainly, if he is fit, I'd rather he made his debut against Brighton, even if it is you know potentially chasing an equaliser or a winner against Brighton, than making his debut against Manchester United on Wednesday in what will be a you know, far more challenging atmosphere I think to come into but ultimately it's a big if as to whether he is fit and I, I think Chelsea should be very very cautious with him given his injury history and it will open up a lot of tactical possibilities for Pochettino but as Dom says there are a lot of games coming in December so there, there's plenty of opportunity for him to make his debut at a time when he is fit I, I can't stress that enough I think that's the key I mean I, I was a bit surprised at how Pochettino, when he when he spoke last Friday ahead of the Newcastle game, it was making it clear that he's almost some way off still. I mean, we all assumed that all the noises were that he was going to be fit after the international window, and that we expected him to be in the matchday squads and to to you know have some minutes off the bench in in this run of games. I'm not saying there's been some kind of issue. I, I, I just think that they're playing playing it very very cautiously as they should. When he does make an appearance, hopefully at Stamford Bridge, as Luke says, because I think when he does come on, when he's when he's involved and, and Chelsea support to see him, it's going to lift the place. It's a, we've forgotten what a you know potentially this was such a good signing that that they've made, and and we, because Chelsea fans haven't seen him at all, other than those that were you know saw the preseason stuff in the states, it's going to lift the place, and it's it's another reminder that there there is attacking quality aplenty in this in this Chelsea squad and, and this is another hopefully he's going to add another dimension to their play Sudsloy he'll, he'll, he'll make his debut against Crystal Palace at the end of the month and then <laughs> have a have a field day but there you go well whether Nkunku plays or not we'll probably get goals in this game both teams have scored in all 13 of Brighton's Premier League games this season only City have scored more than them but they've conceded 23 which is the same as Luton who are third bottom. Um, the League Cup game in September, the only time Brighton have failed to score in 20 games in all comps this season, that before Thursday, of course. They'll be without Lewis Dunk, who suspended Tarek Lamptey and Ansu Fati, both of whom are injured. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, the under-21s played their counterparts from Strasbourg in a friendly at Cobham on Tuesday night. They lost 4-1. David Washington got Chelsea's goal. Leo Castledine played. Simon's got a report up on The Athletic that Chelsea are in talks with him over a new contract. Uh, this weekend, Mark Robinson's team back in league action. They go to Middlesbrough on Sunday. The under-18s have been drawn away to Leicester in the FA Youth Cup third round. It's on Friday the 8th of December at 7pm at Seagrave, Leicester's training ground, which for geography stands is exactly 19 miles from my house. Uh, this weekend, the 18s are at Reading in the league. You can watch that live on the Chelsea app with me if you like. And their game for the women's team, it's international break. Sam Kerr pulled out of the Australia squad for treatment on a foot injury. Luke, this sounds entirely sensible to me. They had a friendly double header against Canada in Canada. I'm sure it's a very, very serious foot injury that needs treatment. But yeah, good job, Emma. Yeah, there's absolutely no need to risk anything with Sam Kerr being the, um, you know, I mean, how important she is to Chelsea. And the run of games that they've got after the international break is a very sensible decision from all involved, I think. And potentially a rare example of club and national team, you know, working well in tandem. Yeah, remember it's Arsenal away uh, for the women's team when they come back to action. Absolutely huge game that. Uh, it sounds like Andre Santos will be recalled from his loan at Forest where he's barely had a kick. Prasanna wants to know where should be the next move for him? Dom, I might be putting two and two together and coming up with five here, but Palace was a, a destination that I thought might be suitable given Yaman Dekure is going to be out for the foreseeable. Would, would you take him there? Yes. Uh, Palace have got two loan spots available to them. I don't think they've got an awful lot of money to play with, so a, a loan deal in January would would make a lot of sense. Dekure, as you say, has, has done his Achilles and, and he's been the glue at Palace. So if Andre Santos can play that role the sort of shield in that back line. Um, I think his presence also might help young Matthias Franza, who's who's settling in at Palace and, and and has found it difficult so far to make an impact in new surroundings. So having a, a compatriot there to help him might be might make a lot of sense as well. I was going to throw this one back at you, Matt. I mean, you watch more Forest than any of us and you won't have seen very much of him, but in the cameos that he's made, has he made any kind of impact at all? He hasn't really had the opportunity to do so. I think the only game that he actually started was a League Cup defeat against Burnley when the whole team got changed. And since then, he's made one appearance, which was the last eight minutes at Anfield when Forrest were already 3-0 down. But I mentioned this before. The problem that he's had is that Forrest didn't think they were going to get both either or one of Ibrahim Sangare and Nicolas Dominguez. And they are high-profile, expensive signings. You have much more experience than Santos does. He's just behind them in the pecking order and he's even behind the likes of Ryan Yates too. So yeah, it's one that hasn't worked out. Forrest going to have to pay Chelsea a few quid for not playing him uh, when they send him back. Uh, Luke, a lot of people saying, oh, a championship loan is probably most likely send him to Leicester because they're top of the league. Well, Cesare Cassaday has gone to Leicester and he is not in their first team and they're not likely to put somebody in who's barely played. So it's probably not that straightforward, right? And and we know about the difficulties of sending him abroad because if you only get, what is it, seven loan spots? And I don't know, I guess we're left hoping for 
Roma to say, okay, we'll buy Romelu Lukaku in January or Galatasaray with ZH for that to be a possibility. So he's likely to stick around in England is, is what I'm in a very long-winded way saying. Yeah, it's it's those seven international loan spots. Kepa, of course, taking up one at Real Madrid as well. And, you know, who knows how that'll end up. My sort of take on it is that I think he will end up as a permanent Real Madrid player, but that's probably one for the summer. And I think from Andre Santos's perspective, I always prefer domestic loans, even if they are in the championship for, you know, young foreign players, because it helps them get acclimatised to England. It helps them get, you know, build their language skills and kind of assimilate themselves in the culture. You, you know, it's a stereotype, but you do you hear about players that move to England, particularly the North, and struggle with the climate, struggle with the culture, struggle with being away from their family. So, you know, as, as you said there, Matt, Palace in London, you know, he'd still be close to Chelsea. You know, it's still it's a bustling multicultural city. I think that would be a great aesthetic move for him, whether, you know, the football would come. But, you know, there are some championship teams as well, other than Leicester. I think you'd be really looking at the top end. You know, if Leeds were looking to bolster their central midfield ranks as they push for a top two spot, uh, you know, they're the sort of club that has maybe a little bit more money than like a Southampton, who are also flying high that you know could use the the depth to push for for a playoff spot as well having started this conversation with a yeah palace makes sense whether you bring in a 19 year old with seven minutes premier league experience under his belt to fill in a key position in a in your team when your manager is roy hodgson and who takes a lot of convincing to to play in experienced players uh, may not make sense for palace ultimately i mean it, it would it would help Matthias franza as a I'm, I'm sure having a, a compatriot around the place, but that's going to be the problem because any any Premier League loan, really at 19 for a defensive midfielder, which is so in the fulcrum of your side, you often need experience there, and he just simply hasn't got that. So it's almost like you need a you need a team that is that is pushing up and is is completely safe from any relegation issue and is willing to take a risk, but also willing to to develop another club's player for them, which, you know, it's great for Chelsea if somebody does that, but it's not necessarily good for the club that takes them on loan. So, yeah, maybe the championship does make more sense thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, I you know, kind of thinking about that Premier League angle, Dom, I wonder if, you know, Fulham makes sense. They're probably not in danger of getting relegated. That was just what I thought, yeah. With Jao Pelinia probably going in January, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Jao Pelinia's failed by a Munich move that looks to have just been delayed by six months, despite the fact that I think he signed a new contract. And, you know, to fill that defensive midfielder slot, the way Marco Silva plays at Fulham tends to play with a double pivot. You know, Harrison Reed or Sasa Lukic in there alongside Pelinia. So, you know, if Andre Santos does come in, then as you say, Dom, he's not going to be playing as a lone number six where it's all the pressure on him. Mm. You know, he has someone to kind of play off um, and you know can play forward a bit. You know we've we've seen that he's not just a defensive midfielder from his contributions with the Brazil under twenty squad. I think where he finished as you know he scored a bunch of goals for them. Uh, so he clearly can bring something at the other end of the pitch as well. So Fulham, I think, makes sense. But yeah, it's it's all hypothetical, isn't it? Fulham, I think, are looking to sign Andre from Fluminense. But whether they can do that in January is another thing, and, and it would be far better for them to make a permanent signing to replace Palinia if, as we expect, Palinia leaves at some point, probably for Bayern Munich, then maybe a, a stopgap for six months would make sense for them. So that's that's probably a better shout. I've just convinced Palace not to do it now. So there you go. <laughs> 
All right. Well, that was much longer on Andre Santos than I thought we were going to spend, but um, that's nice. Bit of forest chat. Yeah, why not? Uh, Lucy points out that Raheem Sterling has been nominated for Premier League Player of the Month for November. So good luck to him with that one in the eye for Gareth Southgate, perhaps, if he wins it. All right. Who is going to be the Player of the Week in the quiz? We'll find out next. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's the bit you were looking forward to, listener, isn't it? You can feel the excitement coming through from Athletic Towers from both Luke and Dom's booth. Uh, I have kept this much more Chelsea, Brighton adjacent. Dom, you'll be pleased to know this week. So there's no 96 miles from the Amex is trying to shoehorn in a Scarborough question this time around. I haven't had any criticism from Lucy in the build-up, so I'm feeling that maybe this is an acceptable quiz. Uh, Luke, you're up first. Who made his first Chelsea start in the League Cup tie against Brighton in September? Um, I'm going to go Leslie Ugochukwu. Want to steal it, Dom? Cole Palmer? Oh, he's done it. That was correct. Uh, Ugochukwu played in the previous round against Wimbledon. Uh, Dom, here's your first question then. Oh, no. I don't like it when you chuckle. Yeah, it's the hardest one. Uh, before signing Mark Kukurea last year, uh, Robert Sanchez and Moises Caicedo this, who was the last player to join Chelsea from Brighton? I'll give you a clue. It was a goalie, and this is according to transfer marks. It was on loan in 1988. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to need a pretty peppy bed from Lucy because it might be a long time in. I, look, I, I have no idea whether this fella played for Chelsea but I only know one Brighton goalkeeper from the 80s um, so uh, Perry Digweed is my is the only one that I know that played for Brighton but I don't think he played for Chelsea doesn't sound doesn't sound right Lucy's just done a legit spit take because that is absolutely correct and you're two nil in front <laughs> Oh, that's frustrating for you, Luke. I'm sorry. I really. You have to bear in mind that that I, <laughs> Palace Brighton in the 80s was a thing, as it was in the 70s. So, mm. and and Luke wasn't even born. Once you hear Perry Digweed, you're not going to forget the name, are you? To be fair. Um, all right, Luke. Let's get you on the board here with question two. What was unique about Conor Gallagher's goal against Brighton in this fixture last season? Uh, <laughs> that's that feels open to interpretation. <laughs> Am I not getting any more than that? What was unique about it? Mm, I don't think so, Luce. It's hard to kind of 
do that without giving it away. It, it, I tell you what, here's a slight clue. If you don't know the answer, when you find it, you'll go, huh. It's a surprising statistic, basically. I mean, that's not even half a clue. <laughs> I'll read the question again and you might find a clue in it. Okay. What was unique about Conor Gallagher's goal against Brighton in this fixture last season? So it was Chelsea versus Brighton in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge. I mean... At Stamford I... Bridge. Was it Conor Gallagher's only home goal for Chelsea that year? Last season? I'm going to give you the point there. Uh, because I'm feeling generous. It is his only goal ever at Stamford Bridge, which mm. I personally was rather surprised by. But there you go. You're off and running. It's 2-1. Dom, here's your second question. Who scored the winning goal in this fixture last season? So Gallagher had scored for Chelsea and then somebody else plundered a winner. Uh, it was that brilliant um, shot from distance, wasn't it? Um, from the kid. Uh, and just... Enchisco, Enchizo, Enchisco, Enchisco, Enchisco. I'm going to need a judge ruling on this one. <laughs> Luke's not happy with that. I know it. All. I know it completely. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? What, 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 is it not Enchisco? What's his name then? Enchisco, Enchuso, Enchisio, Enchisco. Tell him, Luke. I mean, it's Julio Enciso. Enciso, yeah. I, think, I don't know. What do you think, Luke? Is that close enough? Enchisco. Dom didn't get the first half. name. You <laughs> didn't ask me to get the first name. <laughs> oh, you... We'll give you half each for that. How about that? What? <laughs> Scandalous. <laughs> first um... goal of the season at Stamford Bridge. Oh, you can have half a mark for that. Half of it was wrong. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm struggling to keep up with the scores. But from my record, it's two and a half, Dom, one and a half, Luke. So this is an important question for you, Luke. It's your final Massively. regulation time. Huge. Um, Lucy's just been kicking back here without thinking there's any need for a tiebreaker. <laughs> um, we could see Christopher Nkunku make his debut for Chelsea on Sunday. What is his Chelsea squad number? Oh, God. Um, I believe he is... Uh, I think he's number 18. Oh, you're absolutely correct. Well done, Luke. Yeah. So it's two and a half, two and a half. I think this is the easiest question of the quiz, Dom. So you don't have to get too annoyed about uh, the award of the point on your previous one. Who's the only member of Graham Potter's coaching team still at Chelsea? Is he chuckling because he knows it or is he chuckling because he doesn't? I'm pretty sure I can hear the tinkle of keyboards from the <laughs> a keyboard from the other. <laughs> uh, it doesn't look like that keyboard is plugged in to be listed. Don't worry. Uh, no foul play. I can never remember these guys' names, and and uh, the Spanish fella's left, doesn't he? So Lucy still hasn't written the tiebreaker. She thinks she's going to get it. I know it. If that, yeah. If that so, helps Lucy. so actually, <laughs> it's it. It doesn't really matter. The the recruitment guy, which. It's the recruitment guy. Yeah, it's the bloke that they brought in. Who, who is there, does is the a recruitment, recruitment guy stuff. part of the coaching? Team because no, but he's part of late. he's part of his 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 coaching team, and he? he's got he had his own little rec recruitment guy that's that stayed on. I'm talking on the grass coaching team here, by the way. Uh, 
Gonna have to rush you. Oh, Ben Robert then. Oh, well done. Yeah, but he's he's, he's head of he's head of global many, he's head of global goalkeeping. He's not on the grass. He, how many, how many clues did you? How many clues did you give him, Matt? <laughs> he was thinking of Win Stanley or someone else. Luke, if you could just sit there and work out how many other goals Conor Gallagher scored at Stamford Bridge, that'd be good. And then multiply that by how old Perry Digweed is now. <laughs> Oh, right. Well, I'm afraid we do have to go to the tiebreaker after that. I mean, Why? I've got three and a half points. Why do I need to go to a tiebreaker? Controversy. No, yeah, what? that's right. You have one, <laughs> but I'm going to do the tiebreaker anyway. You have How one, many Instagram Dom. followers have Brian and Hope Happy and <laughs> It's better than that. Um, oh, my God. So you did win, Dom. So well done. Hard luck, Thanks. Luke. But I like this tiebreaker quite a lot. Add together the number of passes... <laughs> Oh, Brighton God. have made this season with Chelsea. So how many passes have the two teams made between them? You can stick it on the group, please, so that we don't get the one more than the other. Not that it really matters, but it's just a bit of fun. And that's important to remember. Given it, Is it Premier League? Pervaded this quiz. Is it Premier League, Lucy? Yes, it is Premier League. Uh, do you mind if I use my calculator? Because I'm not very good at multiplying big numbers. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Is it multiplying or adding? Sorry. Adding. Yeah, so but I'm, I'm, do, I'm doing an average okay. and then I'm, yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. Tell you what, we might have to keep these two apart in the quiz for the next couple of weeks. Uh, well, we've got to work it's together today. Spicy. <laughs> <laughs> you ruin relationships, you know. <laughs> Wouldn't uh, be the first time. Okay, so we are adding together the total number of passes that Chelsea and Brighton have made in the Premier League this season. Just awaiting some activity. Oh, right. Do I put it on the... Oh, okay. Yeah, yes, sorry. please. Sorry. Well, I'm, I'm going to go... No, wait a minute. You have to put it on the thing we will. I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Oh, okay. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm just going to send mine to Matt. Okay. You can do that and then I can read it and then hopefully by that time Luke's will have arrived. I'm, I'm so... I'm so far out on all of these. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Okay. I have Dom's total and indeed it is so far out. <laughs> <laughs> just, okay. put a, just put a very large number, Luke, and you're there. Right. <laughs> oh, Luke. That is a really good guess. So Dom went for 8,450. Remember, this is the total amount of passes both Chelsea and Brighton have made in the Premier League this season. Luke's gone for 14,300. I can tell you, because I know you're desperate to know, listener, the actual answer was 15,444. So that's a very good guess, Lee. You you get some kudos, if if not the glow of victory this week. Brighton had had 7,960. Chelsea, 7,481. Um, so, yeah. That's quite interesting in itself, isn't it? Because Brighton are supposed mm. to pass teams off the park, and yet they don't appear to have that many more than Chelsea. Yeah, but Chelsea have one of the highest average possessions in the league, I believe. So they must be completing a lot of passes. I think. Mm. All right, I was going to say you two are nerds, but the quiz didn't really um, give that <laughs> away. So fine. <laughs> uh, there's lots of great stuff on the Athletic. Now we've mentioned the deep dive on Moises Caicedo. Anything else catching your eye, Dom? Well, one of the things that has become a bit of a pet project since they dragged me into the office full-time at the start of the year, uh, was a series called Derby Days, where we've been going to some of the the, the biggest derbies around Europe. Um, we, I think we've done about 10 or 11 so far. But we've got quite an interesting one happening on Friday night. Uh, Michael Walker is over in Belfast for Glentoran versus Linfield uh, at the Oval. Um, and he'll that piece will go live. It's sure to be a really, really good read. That'll go live next week. And then we're also at Norwich Ipswich. And 
Dynamo Zagreb versus Hajduk Split in the middle of December as well. So uh, it's a really good series. Some beautiful artwork in there as well. Um, originally by Sam Richardson, who who left us last week, and Eamon Dalton has has taken on. So they 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 look fantastic as well. Uh, and it was sure to be a really really good read from Michael next week. Good stuff. Always worth a reminder that the uh, Norwich Ipswich game is referred to as the Old Farm Derby. Um, I will never not enjoy that. Uh, Luke, anything that you've spotted we should be aware of? Yeah, a piece that will be, it's quite a general piece from Phil Buckingham, but one that's definitely relevant to Chelsea fans in this day and age is the piece is simply titled, Why are football stadiums so expensive to build? Uh, and I think, yeah, there's a lot of great detail there. Phil spoke to some industry experts and, yeah, definitely relevant to Chelsea with all the Stamford Bridge drama going on at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I was really surprised to learn that um, Sunderland got the Stadium of Light done for 25 million quid. Wouldn't get you much in uh, today's money. I tell you what is good value, though. We've got a new offer running until January the 1st, just in time for Christmas. You can give family or friends either a one or two year subscription to The Athletic. One year is just $19.99 a month. Two years, $39.99. That's a 67% discount. Just search theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod now. If you're in the mood to do us a favour, you can leave us a nice review on iTunes or Spotify. Thank you to everybody who's got in touch showing us that we were in your Spotify app. That's always a nice little ego boost. So if you want to do that, you can do it too. It's at SO Cobham Pod on X, formerly known as Twitter. We should be back on Monday when we'll go through what happened in the Brighton game and plenty more besides that. It'll be a preview pod as well, won't it? Because we've got the midweek trip to Man United to look forward to as well. Join us for that if you can. Until then, thanks to Luke, to Dom and to Lucy and to you for being with us today. We'll catch up with you again soon. Bye for now. The Athletic.